G'day. My name's Chris Reid. I'm the CEO of Near Metals. We are an ASX and AIM listed technology developer. You know, our focus is in the continual improvement and the commercialisation of our innovative processing technologies to make greener battery materials. Chris, good to see you, um, sir. Um, I want to kind of catch up because we've been seeing lots of um, lovely headlines like Mercedes, um, you know, binding agreements and stuff. And, and, and you know, obviously the, the numbers coming out of the Vanadium project, all good. But I want to start with a basic question. Do you think that the market now understands what type of company you are? You've come from being a miner to, you know, in, well, I guess there's a kind of partner model in the world of engineering and industrial. Is, is it? I mean, how, how are you describing yourselves these days and, and do you think people get it? Yeah, look, from our history in mining, you know, and, and having developed the world's second largest hard rock source of, of lithium uh, and being involved in industrial minerals, we've always looked at downstream processing. So we've developed downstream processing technologies to, you know, essentially make more margin. Uh, so we've developed technologies in lithium processing, lithium battery recycling, vanadium recovery from, from waste products, uh, and we've still got one residual mining asset. So I think, you know, we've developed those technologies as a sustainable competitive advantage. And then we've sat back and thought, actually, we can use these technologies uh, to, to, to build businesses. Um, and clearly, we've partnered with SMS to to develop the, the lithium-ion battery recycling technology. Um, the vanadium recovery project, we've taken that through now to a class three, you know, uh, feasibility study level evaluation with, with critical minerals, uh, with critical metals, sorry. And, uh, you know, we're commercialising our Eli technology with our partner, Mineral Resources, who, you know, ASX top 50 company, uh, and Portugal's largest chemical company, Bondelti. Um, we still retain, like I said, our, our hard rock titanium asset, but looking to develop that too with partners in the future. Right. Okay. So you, you, you totally, you've gone green. You've inserted yourself into the well, looks like the European um, e ecosystem there um, for, for sure. But again, I just I just want to be clear or help people sort of understand, you know, where the upside is because you know most companies take a hit at, have taken a hit at the moment for the last you know three four months have been rather unpleasant, um, and people want a little bit of um, comforting from the CEOs. They want the little bit hand holding that you know things are going to be okay that you can come out the other side. So. EV infrastructure and investment um, in Europe is is big. People are planning in five and ten year cycles. What is the significance of this um, binding agreement that you've done with Mercedes? Yeah. So look, in the lithium ion battery recycling, you know, it's a it's a mega trend that's sort of separated from the geopolitical or general global economic malaise. All of the car makers are pivoting to EV and there's more cell making and, and uh, you know, the, the commodities, particularly lithium, really haven't, haven't been negatively affected by the current market. So that's a fantastic trend to have exposure to. Uh, from our battery recycling, you know, we get back nickel, cobalt, lithium at the bottom end of the cost curve with the lowest carbon footprint. And that technology that we've been commercialising, um, you know, for quite a number of years now, you know, has resulted in being picked as a technology partner for Mercedes. Then we entered into a cooperation agreement where we would collaborate with them for five years on the latest and greatest cell 
chemistries and formats, we would supply them a plant and teach them how to recycle their own batteries. And so we were really happy that uh, we received our first purchase order from Mercedes. So that cooperation agreement now is is legally binding. And, you know, we look forward to a long and fruitful collaboration with, you know, one of the best car makers in the world. Okay, but, okay, people are quite, because some, some CEOs come on here, they're kind of quite cute with, it, with, with the, the phrasing and framing of MOUs and agreements and so forth. So legally binding sounds good. So legally binding to do precisely what, and then what's the upside or what's, what's the future hold off the back of that for you? Yeah, so look, we will be supplying Mercedes with uh, equipment supply agreements, essentially, to uh, for a 10-tonne or 2,500 tonne per annum recycling plant that they're putting in um, Kuppenheim in Germany uh, to recycle their batteries. They've set up a special subsidiary for it. We know that... Uh, Mercedes is going EV. They're going to be making their own cells. They already make their own cells assembly now. They're getting bigger. And uh, everyone that produces batteries or produces cars is going to have production scrap and end-of-life risings. So the relationship with us is we supply them with a 10-ton plant. We give it royalty-free for 10 tonnes a day or 2,500 tonnes per annum. But these guys are going to be producing, you know, hundreds of thousands and then millions of EVs that are going to need to be recycled and so for the very, very large plants. Uh, to supply them plants, you know, we'll be charging a royalty. Right. Okay. So th- this is a, this is um, try before you buy. This is the first step of a, a long-term collaboration. Right. But, but I want to understand it properly. I want people at home to understand it, which is you, you're building a physical plant. You're giving them the hardware saying, right, yep. try before you buy. Give it a go. If the it works for plane. you, yep. your small one, we will build you bigger ones. And on those, we will charge a royalty. That's where the that's right. where the big bucks comes. Okay. That's one of that's one of the business models. So, you know, the the joint venture that we have with SMS Group, you know, who are a 150-year-old German plant builder called Primobius, we've got three business models. So we act as principal where we take cells off of car makers uh, and cell makers, and we break that down and we sell the products. So we've got a 10 ton a day operation. Um, that's the maximum we can process. So we're ramping that up. That's at Hilkenbach in Germany. And if we can build more and more of those plants, that's great for us. But we're very, very minded that for us, capturing volume is the surest way to success in the long run. And we will share the economics. So what we've done with Stelco, a steel company in Canada, is look to commercialise our technology in North America with them. Uh, So we've given them an interim technology licence, but we've retained the option to buy half of the business. Uh, The royalty will drop to zero, but our equity will go up to 50% of the business uh, to develop a integrated battery recycling operation uh, all around North America. So we've got three business models. We've now clearly demonstrated to the market that we've got those actually in operation in terms of there's binding agreements and they are being prosecuted. Not all of them generating cash flow yet, but will. And then we replicate those uh, as our customer requires. So we've moved away from digging a hole and throwing it on a truck or in a boat and getting cash. We've now moved down 
the supply chain to actually listening to what customers want and providing material solutions. And battery materials are really, really key. Um, so that's, that's, you know, where we're at. And our partnering model, like you brought up before, that's a way that we take out some of the risk. It's a bit like, you know, picking a strong tennis partner. If I'm good at the net, you know, they're a good server and got good ground strokes or the other way around, um, as the case may be, you know. So partnering then increases the chances of success and that we can make the business bigger than we could on our own. Uh, and I think we've shown that in the past and, and, and you know, we've had some success uh, at that. You know, the other thing that I want our shareholders in at this sort of time is to feel secure. You know, we've got a fantastic board, a fantastic management team. You know, in the last seven years, I think our TSRs still averaged about 70-odd percent, notwithstanding the current market pullback. Um, we've got a fantastic balance sheet, no debt. So, you know, last quarter we had, you know, north of 100 cash in investments. The investments naturally will go down and we've gone through a bit of cash, but we are in excellent shape. Right. But as you say, you know, you're used to digging holes, loading it on a truck, putting it on a bay and selling your ore. It's, it's, it's got a little bit more complicated. I mean, for instance, the, you know, the ECS originally contemplated the a 50 ton per day um, plant at um, Kaiserslautern, right? But that's changed. You've announced a slight change to the way that you're coming out that. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 different. We're not in the mining sort of world where you're doing studies to try to get finance to to you know build your project. So you know, as we've developed the project, we built the shredding section first. We built it very very large. That's now in commercial operation. The refinery hub is still in the demonstration phase, and we're still running trials for customers on that. And so the front part is ready. Mercedes have signed up for a 10-ton. We've got a 10-ton. Stelco have signed up for a 10-ton. And so that's what our engineers have been focused on delivering is the front-end engineering for those plants uh, ahead of the equipment supply contract because we're actually going to enter into commercial agreements where we're going to supply them plants for a price. So we will have some exposure. So what we've decided to do is to delay the refinery because no one's making investment decisions on the refinery in the next six months, right? So we've just said concentrate on delivering per our contractual obligations to Mercedes and Stelco and then put the engineering cost study for the hub uh, as, a, as a sort of secondary or tertiary priority. So, so tell me this, like, everyone obviously knows who Mercedes is, right? No, no, no problemo yeah. um, on that. Uh, Stel who? I mean, are they significant? Stelk? Stelco. So Steel Company of Canada. Uh, yes, they are. It's the national steel producer of Canada. Uh, they, they have been around for about 100 years. I went to their uh, headquarters uh, last month and, uh, you know, really impressive. Still got the old cenotaph from the wars and, you know, it's it's old school. It was, you know, they were one of the biggest steel producers outside of China. I think Hamilton topped out at uh, over 10 million tonnes of steel, uh, more than 100 buildings up there. Their um, still goes listed on the TSX. You know, they've got a couple of billion market cap. Um 
you know, it's it's the real deal. So they produce specialty steels, um, predominantly, you know, that go down into uh, the automakers. So yeah, no, I just want to, I just want to ask because you know, again, I guess if you're in Hamilton, you'll know who they are, and, and maybe if you're Canadian, you might. But it, it yeah, I just want to understand the significance of the the levels of the partnership you're picking because so so far it's been yeah. pretty punchy, um, but Stelco kind of fit that category. Okay, get it. Um, so so before we go down the vanadium component here, you, so you're saying there's this that you're still focused on this hub and spoke component, you're still focused on obviously delivering into, you know, real real contracts with real real companies and the kind of, I guess, slightly more ther- theoretical study component is taking a little bit of a back seat. Is that, is that how you're framing it? Yeah. So, look, you know, our contractual obligations, so Mercedes-Benz um, would order the spoke plant before the hub. Stelco contemplate the spoke before the hub. And indeed, you know, our, our optimal model going forward is a number of spokes with a larger centralised hub. So the investment decisions for the Hydromet hubs are a couple of months behind the spokes. Everyone wants spokes and they want them tomorrow, right? And we're fortunate in we're going to be supplying a plant that will be actually operating and people just come and have a look at it and say, this looks great. And we're like, well, sure, we can build you one or we can build you two. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a completely different, you've got to stop thinking of the mining mindset. You know, we're, we're in the business uh, of, of selling plants, preferably for us as principal, where we Primobius buys them off of SMS but equally, they can be supplied into joint ventures where we, you know, utilise our access to the technology to get into those joint ventures and to grow the volumes. So, you know, from production scrap through to the larger end of life volumes in time. And so, depending on your risk return, I mean, otherwise you can just do plant supply and pick up royalties, right? So, different customers want different things. Like if you're a car maker and you want to produce millions of cars and you want to recycle millions of cars and you want to buy a plant, you want to buy plants and do it yourself and pay a royalty, which gives you the lowest cost of recycling. Okay. Um, but we're, we're open for business. No, no, I get you open for business and at, at this nascent stage, uh, you know, those discussions in terms of what yeah. that looks like is, is there to be discovered. But, um, if, if I look at something like that, I'm, I'm going to say, well, how do, how do you fund the, the builds and, you know, who funds the builds and, you know, and how does that affect Headco, I, uh, near metals? Um, yeah. you know, but their bottom line because you know, you've got a lot of money, but it's soon run out if you're, if you're funding these, um, these spokes as it were. Sure. Yeah, look, I, I agree totally. So we've already funded the Hilkenbach plant. So that will, you know, that, that, that will make money at its nameplate capacity. So we don't have to worry about that. Mercedes Benz, we're doing plant supply, uh, you know, or licensed plant supply. So Mercedes will be paying for the plant. So there's only a working capital timing there. Uh, in terms of the plant for Stelco, we're licensing them. But then we've got the option to buy in to between 25 and 
into the Stelco special purpose vehicle that'll be doing recycling. So Neometals, if Primobius has 50% equity in it, Neometals will have uh, an equitable share of 25% of the capital costs. That's a pretty modest to start off with. Um, so, you know, under no, under no scenario do we envisage that the early stages we're going to need to resort um, you know, to, to debt funding or anything like that. For the Hydromet hubs that are the larger bits, yes. But, you know, it's much easier going to a bank saying, actually, we're going to have this shredding spoke. When we start drawing down money, well, actually, you wouldn't be, you've got to draw down your equity before they'll let, let you draw down their debt. We'll actually be producing cash out of the front end of the plant. And it's just, it's lower risk. If it's lower risk, it's lower interest rates, and we're you, look, you know we're not living in a bubble down here. It's uh, you know our inflation. It's not your nine point one, but I, I'll I'll bet the next number that comes out in the next two weeks for us will be seven point one. So we've got to be cognizant that the cost of money and everything has has changed a bit, and that um, you know uh, board management of the large and the founders of the largest stockholders uh and and so we are very very cognizant we just turned uh celebrated our 20 year anniversary on the australian stock exchange and we'll be around to uh to celebrate our next 20. fantastic right um it's, i want to stick with money though and it helped me here because um we do need to stop thinking like mining investors because you're no longer yep. that company but i do want to understand um, the money flow. You say we'll be th- we'll be throwing money off the front end. So great, I understand that bit. But yep. if you are doing these these, these plant bills, you know, and whatever construct that looks like, what, what is your return profile that you're looking for in terms of return on investment made by what three three years, four years, um, and a, a good IRR fee for each of those if they're going to be separate line items on a balance sheet or separate entities. What does that need yeah. to look like for you? Look, the you know we we do have hurdles on what we define for a, an ideal project. Suffice to say that the the battery plants under any scenario blow them away. So you know for us. Um, funding the battery plants as and when required is is our top priority we have flexibility uh, for every everything else both in terms of timing in terms of structure um, you know we demerged our, our nickel assets last year and returned them to shareholders and that's performed very well everyone's done well and and, and that company which nickel's got a fantastic future um, made a new discovery the other day. And probably, honestly, in a different market, or it would have gone nuts. I reckon they're the best discovery holes I've seen in ten years in the Australian nickel scene. Um, but yeah, look, we 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 are cognizant uh, that we have a couple of investment decisions coming up at uh, towards us. We will prioritise the requirements of the battery business above all others, because they have the quickest payback. And, you know, it's it's a cookie-cutter approach, right? With these plants, SMS can build multiple plants simultaneously. They've got 14,500 employees in 95 sites around the world and manufacturing operations on most of the continents. So, you know, we, we want to roll plants out in Europe, uh, in North America, in Asia, um, and 
yeah, I mean, it's uh, we've got a fantastic pipeline of, of future projects there. Yeah, but I'm, what I'm trying to get is, is, is a broad, like even a range of, of, of numbers that the company's targeting. Because if I'm in the mining mindset, I'm going, well, supply demand fundamentals suggest that the price of my commodity is going to go up five times in the next five years. So I'm going to be a millionaire, right? That, that's the kind of mindset, right? Here, it's, it's different. You know, you, you, you're building physical entities. You're, pro, you're, pro, you're processing with your own technology, uh, in this case, batteries. Uh, recycling batteries and you've got a sense of where the feed's coming from you know what your partners uh, um, are doing as part, part of that um jv you must say i want expect a 30 to 40 percent irr or i say i i think payback will be two years Jeez. three years five years because well, i then get a sense of the scale of this and i can just if, if you do go and build another 10 20 of these things i can start to understand how the cash flows through yeah Oh, look, you know, you can you can back calculate from the previous studies on the battery recycling that we put out that, you know, your paybacks are between two and three years. So very, very rapid paybacks, very, very healthy double-digit IRRs, you know, um, in some cases exceeding some of your, ambition, your, your ambitious targets, right? So when you find that and that you can replicate them, you know, I mean, there's nothing stopping us building 10 50-ton plants over the next couple of years. And then they're designed to take the production scrap from gigafactories, which is which is only 10% of what you put in them. The other 90% will come out as cars. So at the end of the life, you know, we once we've got the 50-ton shredding, the 50-ton spoke, and we start to deploy those and build those, then our activities move on to the 500-ton a day shredders and spokes and in some cases they might be large for some customers right so you know um the biggest bottleneck for us so when we were doing the technology and we did the pilot plant we were looking for partners the battery demand the battery production the end of life volumes um that followed after it we never had concerns about the biggest bottleneck that we could see would be how to build enough plants and capture the significant market share that we want. And the only way that we could do that was to partner with a global plant builder. Yeah, okay. So land grab um, is the name of the game. So in, ter in terms of that's the phase you're going through at the moment, in terms of like focus on these spokes, show that it works, um, get the feed. The hubs are just behind. Yeah, no, I understand that. And, 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 close second. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, but I, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not required to issue purchase uh, supply agreements for the hydromet hubs until you know next year. So we'll do the invent. We'll do our studies, the class three study, but we've got to focus on delivering the plant supply agreements in December for Mercedes Benz and Stelco. Right. It's first things first. Absolutely. If someone, if because there's the demand for them, right? I got customers on the other end. You know, one's a royalty free license for ten tons a day. The other one's a full ten percent royalty for a fifty ton a day, right? Like I've, I've, we've got to go for them. No, you do. But let me come back to my land grab comment, which, which is, you know, if, if you pick the right um, partners, it, it's a lot easier. So, on the build side, you got it with Mercedes. And again, a phrase we mentioned at the beginning because it was in the head, headline of your press releases, which is binding, is 
what is the obligation or options available uh, for you or Mercedes in terms of where you are today and achieving this land grab of yours? Are you Have you got exclusivity with them? Or sort of they got exclusivity with you? Or will you be able to talk to some of the other guys in uh, Europe as well? So we, we, uh, there, there is no exclusivity. But, you know, they're building a uh, recycling facility and, and the R&D collaboration and the German government's announced that it's tipping in 17 million euros and we're supplying the plant and collectively, you know, Mercedes and Daimler and us and, and three of the technical universities are entering into a five-year collaboration, you know, to cover everything from uh, discharge, dismantling, our shredding, our hydromet, um, the transportation, permitting, artificial intelligence, you, you, you name it. So our contribution, what we have to contribute into that is binding, you know, and, and so you'll have SMS personnel, neometals personnel through Primobius in that facility. We co-own improvements um, that we generate in that collaboration. It'll be brilliant because we have to do that anyway to make sure that our technology is best of breed. To be able to do that in such an environment uh, as Mercedes-Benz R&D um, is, you know, you, you really couldn't have written a better story if someone gave you a pen and a blank piece of paper. No, it's gone, it's gone well and, you know, hitting deadlines broadly. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's all good. Um, are you feeling stretched at the moment, though? Oh, we've actually built our team up. We've uh, got a fantastic team uh, actually looking to, Hopefully, get a little bit of extra room in the uh, in the floor above us to to put one of the teams into. So no, look, we're I mean, look, we're not without some growing pains for sure, as Primobius is, uh, and in, as evidence, I mean, I got certain pools of engineers. I'd rather them working on real plants than imaginary plants. <laughs> Future plants, you mean? Future plants. Um, okay. So you got a client that wants one. It's imaginary. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, good update. Um, things are going well. Um, so I guess you'll you'll when when you've got something to say, you'll you'll announce it. Um, can we go to Finland? Um, kind of interesting. Sure. The vanadium. Okay. You confirmed what you thought. Lowest quartile cost producer yeah. of vanadium. Um, but you got some options there in terms of timing and how you move that forward. And may, maybe your hands are full. In, in Germany and Hamilton yep. and, and so forth. So what, what, what are you thinking in terms of how that project moves forward? Because you've, you've got all of this slack sitting at surface. You now understand what the costs involved in terms of um, processing that. I mean, are you in a rush to do that or not? Well, fortunately, we own the technology. Uh, and, you know, the SSAB slag is not the only stores of slags around the world. We've tested other slags and I've even tested slags that are higher grade than theirs. So, um, you know, that that being said, we've got a dedicated team on the Vanadium Recovery Project completely separate in a separate part of the office for the Vanadium Recovery Project and they've done a great job. You know, on time, in a difficult uh, environment, we've done the pilot plant, we've done the engineering studies with uh, Sweco, and uh, it's delivered what we thought. It's 
it'll be in the lowest quartile. That's before counting any captured captured carbon credits. So we haven't modelled anything in for them. Uh, nothing modelled for the royalties for the byproducts. You know, we've tried to be as hard as we can on this. Um, and fundamentally, it's uh, from a technical point. It's we've we've de-risked it. Unfortunately, in the last quarter, as we've been winding up those studies, uh, you know, Finland's neighbour has, um, you know, exacerbated uh, or upset the world geopolitical balance. And, um, you know, we find ourselves in a higher inflationary environment. Um, you know, it's upset some of the commodity prices. If you have a look at nickel, copper, vanadium, I mean, there's hardly any iron ore, petroleum, you know, everything's taken a bit of a kick. And look, we're, we're the, the financial risk of that has gone up. The technical risk has gone down. Um, but we can only control the technical risk. We, we, we can't control the, the prices of the commodities or what the equity and debt markets look like. Um, so we're now at the stage where we're, you know, finalising getting some access to more material off of SSAB to underwrite, you know, that that larger plant size. If we don't get it, then we'll probably have to revert back to the original plant size. Um, in terms of timing, you know, we've got an obligation. We're going to try to get the debt financing and the equity lined up. We're flexible in terms of the vehicle. I mean, it's not being developed by near metals. We've got an option to uh, to take 50% of that and to license in our technology into, into that project. So we've got rights there, but we've got no obligation in terms of contingent liabilities associated with the project, which is how we designed it from the start. So it's, it is firewalled from the head company. Right. No, I, I, I remember um, um, that, that conversation, but the, the, the geopolitical situation is the same for your recycling projects as for, for, for any, any company at the moment. It, the, the supply chains are, are trying to work out new, new, new routes to market and yeah, prices have been, well, they've moved around a lot. Um, but I, I want to, I want to understand what, what are the kind of key decision making components for whether you move this forward and in what, in what way? Because you do have rights and you, you do have options, but the vanadium market has gone a little bit quiet at the moment. Is, is, is that part of it as well? Yep. Pricing has always been a little bit erratic and hard to predict. Yeah, look, the prices the prices have come off. So the investment decision that we're facing is to start that supply agreement with SSAB, so to, to, to prepay for slag yeah. and to start taking deliveries. We, we probably don't have to start constructing um, the actual processing plant for, you know, Six months after that, okay. So look, you, you, you've got you've got some some optionality um, around that, um, and like I said, you know we've got we've got rights, but not obligations. Insofar as we can elect to form a joint venture and to take fifty percent equity and license in and contribute our share of the financing. Yeah, which is which is not no, smart. I mean, three hundred forty million US um, for that. You know, for the for the, the um, I think the, the the plant. I think it was something like that. The number, yep. right? And but, you know, we, equally, we might take it back down to two hundred thousand tons, Matt. Right down from three hundred. I mean, sometimes okay. you you've just got to cut your cloth to suit, right? I mean, if I said to you as a banker, you, can you get me one eighty or three forty, right? 
the one eighty's much more palatable. So yeah. you know, when you consider the the high purity, the the, the zero carbon footprint, strategic metal from waste sequestering carbon in Europe. I mean, it will be a test. It's no, no one make no one pulls any punches about it. It's well, but I'm just trying to this this different. Work, but that's what we get paid for. But that's but Chris, the the difference being, you know, the hundreds of billions of dollars being spent on the EV th- thematic and all of the commodities involved with that. You know, from your nickels and your coppers and your graphites and your lithiums and so forth. Um, they're making. T- I said at the beginning, you know, 10, that, that's a mega trend. Right? That's a mega that's trend, a right? But I'm this tra- one's not. Exactly. Well, that's what I want to yeah. get to, well, right? you know, 80, 80% of demand is still linked to global steel production. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Okay. So, so vanadium redox flow batteries down. not uh, are, are not a reality. At, at this point, soon. they're not mature enough, yeah, to have that massive in, increase in the demand. Right. Right. So, you know, like I said to you, we, we are very risk-conscious people. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. So, what, and, and how much time have you got then in terms of making decisions as to you know how you structure in terms of these rights, how you move forward? Are you kind of up against the wall? Yeah. On that so one? you've got to make a decision on the on, on on going unconditional on the SSAB. So it's conditional to the extent that we make a a, a, a decision to start deliveries and prepay. Um, that's thirty first of December this year. Okay. It's, it's, I mean, given, given what you said, it's kind of an interesting um, place for people who are not in the bottom quartile, cost quartile, uh, for, for vanadium. It, it, it has always been erratic, but if you're in the bottom quartile of anything, it, it kind of helps a lot. Um, those marginal projects are perhaps going to suffer a bit and, you know, get yet again, feed into that whole vanadium um, investing. Yeah, well, look, to, to get... To get the financing, you know, if the debt's not available, then you have to look to get equity. And, you know, equity can be either in the head company, which we're pretty precious about, or it can be, you know, down in the special purpose vehicle. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it, it needs money. It doesn't necessarily need all of our money. No, no. So you're not under any pressure financially and you're not under much pressure in terms of time either. So how how long could this sort of sit around and not do anything in terms of not burning through cash in an economic environment like we're in now? Oh, well, in terms of – I mean, the projects, now that we've finished the studies, we're just moving into the financing. So I can, I'm pleased that the velocity of spend on the project has been largely curtailed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let us know. Let us know. I mean, um, you know, we just we own the technology. Like I said, there's H2 Green Steel that's looking to start and a couple of years later – We've got other third-party materials that we've got complete flexibility as to, to when we look at them. I mean, you've got to remember those slags have been generated by SSAB for sort of 40 years. Has, can I just say, so again, this may be outside of your, your comfort zone in the sense that I want to commentary on Finland. I mean, are, are, are Finland or your Finnish partners nervous about the their neighbour next door? Um, you know, we, we're hearing, you know, Finland's applying for, to be a member of the... EU, etc. Is that is that making things a little bit uncertain? Of NATO. Uh, NATO, sorry. NATO. I'll probably feel better if they become a member of NATO. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think uh, I think if there's a bully in the schoolyard, and uh, you know the other kids want to club up together, um, 
joining the club doesn't seem to be a bad idea to me. There we go. Okay, well, appreciate your time today um, and the update. So it's, it's most motoring along. And I think, as you say, I think um, people are kind of seemingly understanding that you're, you're no longer a a, a minor in the sense that no, it used a, to be. It's a battery materials producer. Yeah. Um, how's, um, just give me a quick, uh, titanium vanadium at Barambi, is that? Yeah, so look, uh, uh, we have the samples up in China uh, and they will soon start their commercial smelting trials. The the prices of ilmenite, um, I don't know, look, perhaps when you and I started talking, you know, they might have been $200, $470 now. It's uh, fantastic. You know, for the last five years, it's just been a beautiful stairway to heaven, just one step at a time, slowly ratcheting up, hasn't taken a backward step. You know, everything we said about the global shortage of chloride-grade feedstocks and the need for smelting stuff, um, you know, and uh, I mean, it's not demand pool that's pulling the prices uh, up. It's, it's a genuine step change in supply downwards. Um, uh, it's fantastic. What's the model? What's the, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's, the, what's the model there? Is it another Mount Marion moment or, or have you got other look, plans? We're, we're, yeah, look, we've got strong expressions of interest from, uh, from contractors to participate, you know, not only contractually, but, you know, in the, uh, in the ownership structures. Um, you know, we will look at uh, digging it up uh, and doing gravity separation and trucking a concentrate back onto a ship and uh, selling it up to China. Um, we can always look at doing a bit of downstream processing into Ilmenite in Australia as a second horizon. And then the beautiful thing is that the non-magnetic fraction is the Ilmenite that we can sell for great prices. And the magnetic fraction uh, is a fantastic vanadium-bearing iron concentrate. We have some experience about what to do with it. So, you know, that 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 it's the world's second highest grade hard rock titanium deposit and it's every day is a day closer to its eventual development. In terms of our Portuguese uh, project with Bondelti, yeah, we're ticking along there quite nicely. So we're doing a class three engineering cost study. Uh, I expect that we'll order the pilot plant uh, in the next six months have that ready for operation towards the end of 23. Um, you know, nothing's taking a backward step in the uh, EV lithium world. No. And you, you, you've gone properly international. Australia, Finland, Germany, Portugal, Canada. It's all happening. Chris? Yeah, I'll probably have to come up and share your office. So. Okay. There's always room for you. Always room for you. Chris, I appreciate the update, mate. Um, stay in touch. I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Thanks a lot. Keep safe, everyone. Have a great one.